Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is not true. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with Seeds of Wisdom, Insight, Empowerment, and Liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and empowering you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around us. There's several ways you can join us on this illuminating journey. Follow us on all, follow me on all social media. On Facebook, we are the Zero Network. On Facebook, on Twitter, we were we are at Zira Radio on Twitter. Of course, my page is Dr. Lorenzo Neal on Facebook and at Lorenzo T. Neal on Twitter. Um, Instagram, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. You can find me there. And so forth and so forth, so on. And if you are here for the first time, I hope that you will enjoy the ride. <laughs> this is a listener supported show, so I wanted to take the time to offer you the opportunity to support the show by going to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. Sign up for one of those tiers of support, and we will return in kind with support to you. We're trying to build up an audience, and I thank you for all the hundred thousands of you who listen across this great world. Uh, but hey, we thank you so much. Wherever you are listening from, we appreciate you. And if you'll be so kind, go to uh, where we are on social media. Follow us on social media. Like the page, especially on the Facebook page. You can listen to archive shows. We are available on every streaming platform, iHeartRadio, Apple iPods, Google Pods, wherever you can find a podcast, a podcast, we are on there. And we thank you for your support. And um, – I'm broadcasting this on uh, Veterans Day, uh, and I want to take this time to salute all of the veterans who are serving or who have served our country, uh, and particularly my brother, my oldest brother Kevin, my Aunt Pam, several other friends and loved ones who have served this country, and I, I greatly uh, appreciate your service. And let me tell you my story. I tried my best to get into the military. I, at 17, I um, attempted to join the, <laughs> the Louisiana State Guard, 
uh, National Guard. And I was accepted. I, I did. I went through all the stuff I need to do. I got ready in and was getting ready to be sent out to basic training. And they said, we need you to gain some weight. I was too small. I was too small. And they said, need you to gain some weight. And uh, my recruiter worked with me. He said, we're going to put you on this eating regimen. We're going to put you on this training regimen. You're going to get buff. You're going to be able to do that. And they gave me uh, what just about uh, six to nine weeks. And said, so about six to nine weeks, you should be able to, we should be able to ship you out and go through your training and all of that. And guess what? I couldn't gain the weight. <laughs> Try as they did. I mean, they put me on a feeding schedule. They had me uh, working out. I was doing all that stuff. And I couldn't get, I think I needed to gain four to six pounds. That was it. Because the minimum weight, you had to be at least 112 or 115 pounds. I couldn't break 100. I'm serious. I couldn't break a hundred, and um, you know, it's like, well, um, hey, I, I don't know what to tell you. It is what it is. <laughs> so, I, I salute those who were able. Another reason was because I was I was type one diabetic. That was uh, that was another reason they found we found that out later, but. Um, it, <laughs> And I tried. I wanted to follow my big brother in the military service. I just couldn't do it. I, I, was, I wasn't able to do it. But uh, like the old folks say, I am on the battlefield for the Lord. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, but anyway, uh, I give salute to those who have served. And, of course, on Memorial Day, we honor those who lost their lives in service to our country. So thank you so much, uh, veterans. Uh, thank you to all the active duty military persons, Coast Guard, State National Guards, and every other area of the military. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Um, what was I about to say? I got off track laughing at myself talking about how bad I wanted to be in the military. Y'all don't, 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 don't get mad at me. I really was trying. I really was. And um, uh, it is what it is. Oh, and, and then when I got in college, let me add this. This is way off tangent. When I got in college, uh, the JR, well, the ROTC, the ROTC, you know, that was, that was it. If you could get into the ROTC at our at my alma mater, I'm sure at every in every university. But once you got in there, you know you you got to, you secured the bag. They were paying for your college. Uh, you know you got to. Not only did you do your military service, but I mean, I was I was hating on because they were they had money, they had vehicles, they were able to move off campus. And so, you know, I tried it again, right? <laughs> you know, I, I had to try again. So I, I was like, okay, I'm going to join the ROTC. And once again, because of my health concerns, 
I was unable to to join. I hated it, man. I hated it. And like, I, that just came to me just a moment ago. <laughs> well, I, I think if I had gotten in the military, I'd have a different course. I think I would have been straight into medical school as it was originally planned and would have been not just a medical doctor, but probably would have been a chaplain in the military in some capacity. And um, by the time I had another opportunity for military service uh, to go into the chaplaincy, also, actually, uh, I was a little too old and out of shape. <laughs> uh, we had, um, you know, our denomination was seeking for more military chaplains. And I, I gave it a serious consideration. I, I gave it a real serious consideration, but I did not. But, hey. Uh, it is still a valued, valued service, and uh, good thing. And I, 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 I think we should get back to this mantra in the black community where we used to have that um, if you wanted to get out of the bleakness of your existence in your urban or rural area, you had three options. One, you go to college. You go to college get you a degree, and you can get you a nice job. Second one, go to technical school. Get you a vocation. Go to trade school. So you can do like the uh, electrician, plumbing, uh, auto mechanic, or um, anything else that you can pick up as a trade barber school. You know, you could pick up at trade make a comfortable living, build wealth, you know, generational wealth, and, and that. And then the last one was going to the military. You go to the military, you know, you do your time, you're going to get you, you know, you're going to, for the rest of your life, get basically free health care, uh, guarantee some kind of pension or anything like that, you know. So those are three options that were pre- presented to us back in the day. And there was no shame. If you uh, took either of those options, you know, the better one was, of course, always going to college. That was always the better one. That was the one that was put up at the highest. And it didn't matter how you went to college. If you went on a band scholarship or an academic scholarship or uh, athletic scholarship, as long as you went there, or even if you went there and you paid yourself, you know, didn't matter if it was community college or, uh, you know, a four-year university. That was the highest thing. But if you went to trade school and, you know, you handling your business, you, you're a shade tree mechanic, you used to be able to do that back in the day. <laughs> There's still a few stragglers of shade tree mechanics who, who get out there and, you know, they, they ain't going to charge you too much to do a little work. But um, the, rea- the reality is that the bleakness of the existence for so many of our young black people is no longer uh, that they see opportunity in all of that. They don't want to go to college because they didn't want to be in, in high school. They didn't like their educational environment. They didn't value it, and their parents didn't value it, so their parents didn't put much emphasis on them being successful academically in school and, you know, 
in post-secondary school, or secondary school, rather. So they don't want to go to college. Uh, they don't want to go to the military because we've been in a long-term war, and they're like, what, what's the benefit? I'm, I'm going to go, and they don't see the real benefit of actually going into the military. And the trade school thing, you know, taking up a vocation, uh, unless it's a barbershop, and that's the one thing. Uh, if you go to most urban communities, you're going to see two things, three things. You go, There's plenty of. There are plenty of barber and beauty shops. There are plenty of liquor stores, and there are plenty of churches. <laughs> and I am not being, I am not being facetious about that. I live in an urban community, <laughs> and literally just up the block from me is a barber and beauty shop. And that doesn't include people who do uh, barbering and beauty uh, hairstyles in their homes or apartments or wherever they're renting, living. And there are three liquor stores, three, within a mile and a half radius of me, three, okay? And there are at least a dozen churches within a mile and a half radius of where I live. And that's including the one where I serve as senior minister. So I'm not being facetious about that at all. It is what it is, but um, we got to do better. <laughs> we we got to do better. We we've got to prioritize those those elements of our uh, community so we can provide community policing. So we can provide um, uh, uh, entities that are wealth generating, not just for individuals but for the collective community you know, wealth-generating entities for the collective community, as well as building a sense of pride for the young people to give them inspiration for higher aspirations other than just hanging on the block. It is what it is. Look, um, I, I'm, I'm really, I, I got something I really want to talk about, but I want to give out, send out my condolences. If you know if you've been listening to the news here in the States, you know, last week there was a major concert festival in Houston called Astro, uh, what, um, Astro World Music Festival. And the highlight uh, main stage uh, artist was a rapper named Travis Scott. Travis Scott, I, I'm not familiar with his music. Um, I... Apparently he partnered with an, with a major music festival uh, promoter uh, or agency to put on this put on this wild festival. And according to reports, there are as many as two hundred thousand people there. Uh, probably more, but as many as two hundred thousand. Uh, but within the actual event, I think it was. About fifty thousand, give or take. I again, I have just given through some of the information. I don't have it. Um, um, anyway, so while he was performing, while Travis Scott and Drake were performing, there was a bit of chaos in the audience, where uh, reports are saying someone. Um, 
may have jabbed, you know, injected a uh, a drug into someone else that created some type of chaos response, and that just spread throughout the crowd, and people were rushing, crushing, and dozens were injured, and at least eight were reported dead. And they're trying to shift blame to Travis Scott because he did not end his performance. Uh, there are videos that are going around that showing that he was on, probably unaware fully of what was going on. But uh, they're trying to hold him responsible because there have been other concerts where he has incited a little chaotic behavior. So he has a history of inciting riotous behavior at his performances. Um, the other thing is about that is some people are they're creating conspiracy theories about Travis Scott and the imagery and all of this stuff that was going on at during his performance. It was certainly uh, full of imagery, uh, symbolism of sorts. Uh, but you know that's what performers do. They, they are they are entertainers, and you know when you're a headliner and main events like this, you got to incorporate all kinds of stuff. I remember first concert I really really remember seeing was the Earth Wind and Fire concert that was aired on HBO or something. It was on television, and you know that was a spectacle for me, man. They had some of everything, and they had these dudes coming out of spaceships. <laughs> It was a spectacle, you know. I was fascinated by how they looked. I was fascinated, of course, by the music. But I was more fascinated by the way that show was. All of it. And I remember going to a Parliament Funkadelic um, as, as it, not in the height of their days, but uh, they still incorporated a lot of the craziness that they had done, you know, back in the 70s. And I watched some of their performances from the 70s and how crazy it was. So, you know, those guys went over the top. And I think Travis Scott, um, I think I'm saying this right now. Yeah, Travis Scott picked up on that. And now they're reading into his performances as demonically inspired and all of that stuff and said that it was basically an offering, you know, to Satan and all of that. I'm neither here nor there about that, but um, pray for those families. Those families, they have already started filing uh, lawsuits against Travis Scott, against um, the organization that promoted this and put it on, that also has a history of fatalities at their uh, events. So it is what it is. Anyway, so I'm, I'm going to take a quick break because I'm going for about 20 minutes. Um, when I come back from the break, I'm going to talk about the subject that I really want to talk about, you know, uh, love and marriage in black community and specifically the black celebrity relationship and how that has given this false imagery of, of relationship goals to black women and black men and how that is slowly falling apart 
uh, we're going to talk about that. And I also want to talk about some of the counter issues about, you know, within the dating sphere of both as I have experienced it and as I am observing through the lens of other uh, entities. So take a quick break and I will be back right after this. you're not aware I am a very very curious person I'm always trying to learn new things and um, so I recently learned about Skillshare and it's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person I've learned I've taken classes on uh, creative writing on my podcasting on my YouTube videos all of that it has come in handy and I would strongly recommend you if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine, photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of. You can find it on Skillshare. So, and I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna really love it. It's it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you you'll love it. You'll greatly greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com/slash/zero-today-radio. Today again, I am your humble host, Doctor Lorenzo Neil Helling, Cajun Land USA. We got a lot to talk about, and I want to get right into it. Um, if you are not familiar, um, there's been some interesting things that have been happening with celebrity relationships, particularly one celebrity relationship, and that is the the marriage of Will Smith and Jaden Pickens Smith. Um, uh, they have always, for for the last twenty plus years, been seen as the relationship goals. We want to be like Will and Jada, you know, they because it seems that they were so loving and all of this. Uh, their children were a little strange, <laughs> but you know the the optics that the family gave were very supportive, and of course their children have become. Uh, successful in their own right, in their own way. But that 
image has been unraveling. As last year, if you recall, in 2020, Jada, uh, well, Jada, it, we learned that Jada had a entanglement with another um, artist, musical artist, young man, and apparently that young man was deep in it for Jada, and went on and spilled the tea about he and Jada's relationship, which forced Jada to go on the offense, and she and Will sat down at their red table or her red table, whatever it is, and it was discovered, you know, it was all out. The cat was out of the bag of her entanglement. And I watched that, not just, you know, the clips and the video and all that. You can see the uneasiness that uh, Will Smith was experiencing after the full revelation. I'm quite sure he had an option about that, an impression at least. But to hear the depth of it, how she she shifted uh, accountability into victimology. You know, she became the victim because of things. And we fast forward 2021, and she's still kind of relishing in that 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 emotion. And she's been talking, and she's been sharing that. Well, you know, she didn't. She once she says she has, or she implied that she was not sexually fulfilled by Will. Two, she implied that um, what was the other thing? Something. Uh, that she wasn't initially in, you know, she's not satisfied initially with the idea of monogamy. She wasn't, she's never had the desire to be monogamous. And I know in one of those interviews, she talked about how on her wedding, the day of her wedding, she was so sick at the idea of committing a lifetime. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, she's been... She's been out there, and it's been interesting to see how he responded. As if you're not aware, Will Smith has a memoir that is either being released or soon to be released, and he's been making the media rounds, and he's been discussing. Of course, they for uh, for years there's always been speculation about their the type of the relationship they have. Did they have an open marriage? you know, all of that, and basically they both have acknowledged that they've had an open marriage, and that has worked for them um, and whatnot. And so um, um, it, it's just interesting how that has uncovered quite a bit of the shambling that's happening in black relationships, black marriages and families. Um, and for this, for my generation, Will and, and Jada were the epitome for other generations. You had Ruby D and Ozzy Davis, uh, Bill and Camille Cosby. They were the ideal. And I, um, I'm, and you probably have many, many more. I, I could go back to some of the great jazz 
you know, like Dizzy Gillespie and his wife or, or um, uh, Count Basie and his wife, even though Count Basie later discovered he had a full-fledged mistress, you know, they stayed together. Um, even in my own, my personal life, you know, I reflect on my, my great-grandparents, both sets of great-grandparents, and my grandparents, uh, my maternal grandparents, uh, how the longevity of their relationship it was literally to death do us part. Um, and, you know, we, we strive for that. And as I reflect, if you're not uh, aware, I am divorced. I've been divorced almost 20 years. Um, failed marriage. So when it comes to that facet of ministry, to be honest with you, that is a challenge for me. Even though I'm trained in how to do uh, counseling, you know, by by vocation, I'm trained in how to do that. My specialty is family counseling and uh, specifically, you know, dealing with families of origin and immediate families, right? So, but I've always seen myself as a contributor to a problem because I am divorced. And so, you know, that's why uh, I, I rarely teach on marriage. You know, one, I am unmarried. The other reason is because of that issue that I had, you know, coming out of the divorce. But the Lord is gracious. Um, so this idea of black love that is now crumbling. And part of it is crumbling because there was an organization, there is an organization that in its manifesto specifically and in, you know, I'm, I'm speaking specifically of the Black Lives Global Movement Foundation. When, when you went and you Googled it, I mean, they wanted to dismantle the nuclear family, the idea of the nuclear family. And mind you, as black folk who have been in this country over, uh, you know, three to four hundred years, Coming over here and not being recognized fully human, even our relationships were not really recognized in that capacity because they were seen as a means of generating more work, more workers. You know, we we were we were basically cattle. You know, cattle. We were property. So, though, as we know or as we understand, those slaves created ways of acknowledging their romantic relationships, their marital relationships. They would jump the broom uh, to signify their wedding, their marriage, their commitment, you know, and think about the thousands of them that were separated, men from their husbands, from their wives, wives from their husbands, uh, mothers and fathers from their children, all for the sake of profit. And that trauma is generational. And I know we, you may not be you know, a proponent of CRT or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. I, I want my audience to recognize that that is generational trauma. You know, has nothing to do with a political ideology. That is literally generational trauma that we are seeing now manifested in different ways. Um, and one of the growing movements that's that's it's manifesting in is this this movement called men going their own way, the MG 
POW. All right. And there's this concept of high value men and uh, what's the other one? Modern women. So the high value man is one who is accomplished, fiscally uh, stable, good net worth, good income, all of that with a host of evade optional suitors, okay, which means they get the pick of the litter if they so choose versus those uh, from the street who are not high value, but they contribute mostly because of their, uh, (laughs) how can I put it? They contribute mostly because of their physical value. What do they give? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about sexually. You know, that's that's their. And again, that's part of that generational trauma because we've been conditioned as black men. I, you know, I'm I'm just gonna be real. We've been conditioned that our value is found in our libido. Our value is found in our sexual conquest. Our value is found even if we make babies. Uh, that's a sign of our value. The more babies we're able to make, I mean, you're a good, you know, you're good. It's still lingering, and that, ment- that mentality is still lingering. However, the responsibility for said, ling- uh, you know, behavior is no longer the same. You know, the accountability, the responsibility. You know, we knew why we were being bred back in the day. Now that behavior is continuing, and we don't know why. You know, those, most of the persons, and I'm speaking generally, I'm not speaking, this is not scientific, this is not empirical. I can't give empirical evidence. This is strictly my opinion um, that a lot of the behavior when it comes to the sexual promiscuity that we're seeing from young men and young women is, is dir- a direct result of the trauma, not just from the generation, uh, you know, post-civil rights generation. Because whether you, do, whether you like to acknowledge or not, uh, the baby boomers who birthed my father, um, you know, the baby boomers who birthed me in my generation were recovering from the trauma of, you know, the Jim Crow generation who were recovering from the trauma of the Reconstruction generation and, you know, who were recovering from the trauma of the slavery generation. And we're really not that far removed from that. You know, for most families, only it's only really, it would be honest, we're only about five or six generations removed from slavery. Just five or six. So we're seeing this interesting dissonance is happening with relationships. Um, Particularly with these celebrity relationships, and you know, you can read the headlines. There's always going to be some couple breaking up, or some couple getting together. But let me put it in a perspective of the contemporary couples that we are observing. For example, for the young millennials, Gen Zers, um, there there are people looking up uh, rappers Cardi B and uh, her husband. From the Migos, I cannot think of his name, but y'all know who it is. Wabo, Swabo, I don't know. Y'all know who it is. And then his 
cousin or a friend or a cousin or relative, whoever there, the part of me goes who was with this other young lady named, I think her name is Saweetie. <laughs> anyway, the public break, the public breakup from Cardi B and her husband, you know, the public breakup that happened and then the public reconciliation that happened and the millions that they have spent on each other. And then uh, counter that with the other member of the Migos and Saweetie, where, again, it is a public breakup and the the giftings that they, the uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars they spent on each other. And that was celebrated both. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't looked at in, in, in the world. As and by the word I mean media, as that way, it was celebrated. Both I mean the nastiest nastiness of it was celebrated, and that's contributing to this mindset of young people who are thinking, well, for most of the young women, why do I get married? Why should I get married? I can be independent. I can do this. Blah blah blah. That stems from this third wave feminism that's happening. Um, and for the young men, why should I get married? You know, all they want is this, this, this. And there's this great dissonance that's happening. And we're seeing couples that we celebrated, the, 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 it's falling apart. But contrast that, we also see couples who have managed, celebrity couples more particularly, who have managed to stay the course. And somehow avoid the public scrutiny of their relationship. Um, think about um, Magic Johnson and his wife Cookie. You remember, thirty years ago, thirty years ago, Magic Johnson was shunned by the NBA because he had contracted contracted HIV. That was a death sentence. Everybody knew he was going to be gone shortly. And here it is 30 years later. Not only is he seemingly healthier than he was 30 years ago, but he's definitely wealthier. <laughs> much wealthier. Much wealthier. And he and his wife have managed all kinds of scandals regarding their son, a couple of other things that had come out regarding him and his infidelity or whatever it was back in the day. And yet they have stood the test of time. Um, I, I look at the late Ruby D and Isaac Davis. Um, they were the epitome of black royalty when it came to to uh, black marriage, right? And later after their deaths and the revelation of, well, they really had an open marriage. <laughs> and that is what you know, for the decades they were married, I think they were married almost 55 or 56 years. I could be mistaken. Well, it was well over 50 years that they were married. And for the rest of their marriage, they managed to have this wonderful, openly committed relationship, marriage. And nobody knew. Nobody knew. No drama. It was too well. It was well after they were... I think after he died, that she opened up 
about it. And then after she died, you know, it was more revelation. And of course, you know, think about uh, Bill Cosby and his wife Camille. Before Bill Cosby was uh, called out and eventually arrested and jailed for uh, his acts, his crimes, and all of that, and now he's released, Camille stood by her man for the at least 50 plus years that they have been together she has stood by him and even as he was going through what he was going through she stood by him and she is standing by him and and that's you know that's where they should go and what about Oprah and Stedman they are not married but they have been in a committed relationship or the appearance of a committed relationship for at least 30 years um, or more. I said all that to say this, this skewed uh, perception of black love has caused or is causing uh, and probably will cause more damage. And the black church, really, we don't know how to address it because we uh, we've only put marriage in one perspective only that we have drawn from you know white Christianity and we have not really allowed ourselves to allow the Africanism the African influence of our genetic and generational heritage to really come in now there's a lot in that <laughs> yeah I'm not talking about polygamy or anything like that it's just that before we got exposed to the Western ideals. We had ideals ourselves, you know, varied by tribe, varied by uh, where they were, but it worked. We got here, we tried to conform, I have been trying to conform uh, to this idealized Western world, and it really hasn't been working for us. Now, there are a lot of, a lot of wonderful marriages, and I am a great advocate of it. And, and, you know, push for it. But we also have to be aware of the reality of what, how this is negatively, how that has negatively impacted the the harsh Western European ideal, how that has negatively impacted our community. And how can we really address it? Well, we know what the Bible says about marriage. We know what the Bible says. So we can, we, we can stick to that. But what about all the other things that are integrated in, in, as part of marriage that we don't address with the black church, the domestic violence, you know, all the other things, the emotional instability and, you know, all of that uh, abuse that comes with these marriages or relationships. And the false sense of hope that some black pastors are peddling to black women and some, um, not just black pastors, but some black men are peddling to women. Um, and it brings me to two things. One, uh, when we have, when we as black folk put on this air, for example, the uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, I, it took me a, a while to realize that most of those women were not married or 
were in the process of divorcing, <laughs> either during the filming or after the filming, anyway, you know, of that show doing, and it, it gave this sense of this imagery of black marriage that's unstable. Same thing with the other um, side of that, the Love and Hip Hop series. You know, it gave this imagery of black relationships as full of turmoil that you have to have struggle love. If it's not struggle love, it really isn't love. And um, that is a sad space to be in. But um, there's a post that I, I came across in on the Old Black, Old Black Church website uh, talk about Sierra's prayer. And apparently this has been making the rounds on social media uh, I'm not sure if this is this is attributed to the singer Sierra, who is married to um, uh, professional football player Russell Williams, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, and it's attributed to her as a prayer. And the prayer reads: "I pray the next man in my life will be my husband. I pray he loves me, guides me, leads me, reassures me. I pray that he holds me." I pray that everything I want and need in him, um, I pray that he will love me the way that you love me. Your love is unconditional. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You're In you, there's hope. Lord, you say love is patient, love is kind, and does not envy. I believe this is pure love. This is what I want. Well, thank you for reminding me who I am. I am a queen. I deserve to be treated like one. I'm a warrior. I will get up. I'm a child of God. I'm everything you say I am. I'm an overcomer. I'm built for this. Lord, I'm ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay? Um, so this is being attributed to her. She's married. So, you know, I don't know if this was written before she was married. You know, she was twice married. She was married to, uh, or at least in a long-term relationship with a rapper, Future. She has a child by him. Russell Wilson has taken on uh, fathership of that child. And I think they have children together. But anyway, it's making the rounds on social media. And the um, women who are praying this are praying this as if this will be a a uh, magic means of getting them the man that they want, right? And they don't have to put in the work. They just got to pray to the Lord for a godly man. Uh, and the counter argument is that this, if it's Sierra's, this was hers, and the Lord blessed her. With her is just and think about the the reference I'm giving in in First Samuel uh, chapter one, where Hannah prayed, and this was her prayer. She was she was mocked for her prayer for a child, and the Lord eventually blessed her with a child. You know, uh, I'm not an advocate of this name it, claim it, or anything like that. Uh, it sounds beautiful. I think it may be more of a poem than a prayer. I would not advocate for any female to pray this. One, uh, yeah. I think that when it comes to women and this false sense of romantic love that has been heaped upon them, uh, the idea that they could be every woman, you know, like Whitney Houston saying, I could be every woman, but they don't 
can't get every man, you know, or, or the man they want. I watched a clip recently of a woman on Steve Harvey's show who was saying that she was highly educated. She had her own things, you know, and drove this nice car, but she kept attracting the wrong men. And he replied by saying, well, the problem isn't the men. The problem is you. You are accepting the behavior and responses of men that you are giving out. And I, there's some truth to that. that. I think there's some, some truth in that. But, you know, he went on to give some other kind of advice that I'm not able to say. But we have to do better. We, we can't do better. The other one is, the other part of this thing is another story that came from the old black church that's also been making its rounds. So social media, there was this um, popular, well-respected couple. I believe they're from St. Louis. Um, and to the outside world, they looked like they had it all. They were entrepreneurs. They're philanthropists. They were Christian believers, you know, in, involved in the church faithfully and all of that. And they seemed to have it all together. And both of them are no longer with us because one decided to take the life of the other as they took their own life and took their own life. And this, I would consider them a celebrity couple, you know, in their, in their region, in their area, they were celebrity, but they gave this false sense of what they really were. And unfortunately, because they gave this, false sense of what they really were, the intensity of how they really were eventually caused them to lose their life. And I don't think black couples need that. Um, I think we have to find a way to create a reasonable imagery of black love. You know, for some of us, the black love was the Strong black woman who stood by her man, even though her man stood, you know, stepped out on her. And the words were, "Well, you know, a man gonna be a man." And she did her due diligence, and you know, at the funeral, everybody realized what was really going on. And then there's the the couple that has gone through hell and high water. And love each other, literally to death to part. You know that's the relationship goals everybody is trying to get to, and those are the couples that I see. You know, those are the couples I think are not highlighted enough that need to be highlighted. Um, the Denzel and Pauletta Washingtons, the uh, the LL Cool J and his wife. You know, think about how long they've been together. Uh, and, you know, of course, the Russell Wilson and Sierras and all of this. Oh, oh, and I just thought about it. There's a new celebrity, not new, but um, uh, there's alleged rumors about one celebrity couple, Megan Good and Devon Franklin, you know, the author Devon Franklin and the actress Megan Good is saying that they may be separated because they're not on Instagram. You know, she was doing her own thing on Halloween. He was somewhere else. 
They're no longer sharing pictures together. And yeah, there may be a sign in this day and age, you know, that there's trouble in paradise. And they have been lauded as being one of those couples. I'm saying all that to say that when it comes to this thing of love and marriage, uh, I I hope to remarry if the Lord allows, you know, if it's his will. Now, I know some people might have a disagreement about that regarding remarriage and being in ministry or pastoral ministry that, hey, you can have that. If the Lord allows it, fine. If he doesn't, fine. As a person who has contributed to this problem, black relationship demise, I'm talking about myself. As a person who has been a fornicator, has been an adulterer, who has been all of that stuff, and yet the Lord has been merciful, uh, and so are people. I, I hope to contribute more positively toward this in some capacity. I don't know what that capacity is at the moment. I'm still discovering that. But I know as a pastor, I have a, a means of contributing to that in this current moment in the uh, secondary vocation I do is with the counseling and the therapy, you know. But it's still a lot of go. Anyway, I would love to hear your thoughts, read your comments on that. So make sure you go to the Facebook page, GOI Network, leave your comment on this this show. I, I want to hear your thoughts. So send an email, uh, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com. I, I want to hear your thoughts, your responses to this. And also, uh, you know, I might bring this back up again and have a guest, a female guest, so we can have a dialogue. A better dialogue because this is just monologue. I, but I, you know, I think we can have a, a wonderful dialogue uh, about this. And I love to speak to a married couple too. I, I'm gonna see if I can make that happen. But anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this show. Let me know what you think. Make sure you follow us on all the social social media um, and share your thoughts about this. Also, if you have not done so. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal and sign up to become a patron. Look at one of the tiers and the offerings that are available to you for your support. We appreciate you so much. We have a lot coming out. Um, Be looking out for some information. We're going to be releasing some new books, Um, at least one new book that will be released. I think the date is pre-release is it's December sometime. I can't really, I can't be exact. But anyway, you'll be seeing it, uh, more of that as we uh, get to that date and time. So you'll have information about about upcoming opportunities to support new products and all this stuff. Having said all that, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for supporting. We are listener supported, and we appreciate you for your support. And make sure, make sure that you uh, listen to all of our archives, shows, leave your thoughts on that, and we appreciate all of that. And having said all of that, that is all that I have to say. Guys, have a wonderful time. See you next time. (laughs) 